Thank you all for joining us here at I-80 Sports, where today we continue our 32-part 2021 team previews. Today's team, the Boston Bruins. Thank you all for joining us here again at I-80 Sports. Thank you all for joining us here again at ID Sports. Make sure that you check out our website down below, idsports.com, for all of our team previews coming up because we have just started the Atlantic Division. We're starting here with the Boston Bruins. It's time to move on to the East Coast here. And, hey, Tom and I are East Coast boys here, so mm-hmm. teams that we certainly know a lot about, and Boston is certainly one of them. So, Make sure you check out our website down below for the rest of our team previews. We are now officially done with the Central Division and the Pacific Divisions. If you like any teams out there, make sure you go back and check out those videos. Catch up on what you missed. We even got a playlist here on YouTube. And if you're joining us here on YouTube, make sure you drop a like, comment, and subscribe for all of the previews that we have coming up. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you follow down below at I80 underscore sports NHL. And if you're currently following... Thank you guys so much because your support is greatly appreciated. Without you guys, we can't do this on a weekly basis. I'm Brian. He's Tom. Tom, how are you doing today? Doing well. And here we are to um, uh, preview a organization that I actually have a lot of respect for, believe it or not. I'm a Ranger fan, but I mean, the Ranger Bruin rivalry was uh, the early 70s. I was not born yet. I always respect how the Bruins ran their organization. I always loved the way how they would find players to, you know, they would move bigger players out of town, find other guys, replenish them, and just always consistently a good team. And I, I got to respect them for that. I really do. And we're even in that right now. You know, they were able to win that cup 10 years ago. They were able to, you know, five years later, they sort of, uh, you know, cut some guys loose like Dougie Hamilton and Milan Lucic. And then we're able to replenish it, you know, draft picks and younger guys. And, you know, here they are now, still a cup contender. They probably should have won one two years ago. That's an episode for another day that I could get into on the Boston Bruins failures over over the last decade, but still definitely a team that's still there, that's still a contender, and that is the Boston Bruins. Yeah, and it's wild. Like last year we were talking about it's time to blow things up, and most certainly Boston has not, and we were wrong. They were right, as a lot of times how, how that happens. This is why they get paid the big bucks, and we certainly don't. So it's time to talk about some 2020 and 2021. 2021 team facts from the Boston Bruins season last year. So what was Boston's record last year? Boston's record last year was 33, 16, and 7. That's 33 wins to 16 losses to 7 overtime losses, which was good for 73 points. They finished third in the East Division last year. Power play and penalty kill, well, they were just killing it last year on both ends. They finished on the power play with a 21.9% on the power play, which is two ticks above league average. And on the penalty kill, they were even better. They were sitting right about at 86% on the penalty kill this past year, just absolutely killing it, being an absolute monster on the penalty kill. And one thing I do have to note here, especially in regards to that penalty kill stat, they only allowed 136 goals against last year. That was fourth least in the entire NHL last year. Well done by the Boston Bruins. Uh, Some leading scorers here for the Boston Bruins last year. Yeah, Brad Marchand, uh, constantly up for debate here. 
But 69 points in 53 games. Well done, sir. Patrice Bergeron with 48 points. And David Posternock also with 48 points after missing a good chunk of the season last year. So that perfection line coming in clutch as usual. So now we're moving on to some key additions and subtractions. And we had some pretty big key additions here for the Boston Bruins. Namely, Nick Foligno, Eric Howla, Thomas Nosek, Derek Forbort and Linus Olmark. It should also be mentioned here that Taylor Hall also signed a semi-long-term contract to stay with the Boston Bruins. So he has finally officially decided on his team. So Taylor Hall is here to stay as well. And subtractions, yet some pretty big subtractions here. David Krejci uh, is a big name. That's a subtraction here. Sean Corrali, Nick Ritchie, Andre Kasha, and Jeremy Lausen, who was uh, lost to the expansion draft to Seattle. And lastly, former backup goaltender Yaroslav Halak, and at least for this year potentially, starting goaltender Tuka Rask. So we've got a whole new changing of the guard in net here for the Boston Bruins as they are now going to go this year without Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak, something that they haven't done in a very long time. But... We'll see how that goes. Moving right along, we're going and talking about X-Factors next. And no, we're not talking about EA Sports NHL 22 X-Factors. We're talking about our own brand of X-Factors here. Players who we think are going to make a major impact on the Boston Bruins this year and make a major impact in the lineup, possibly en route to making the playoffs and maybe even further beyond. So, Tom, I've done enough talking here. Who do you feel are X-Factors here on the Boston Bruins? Sure. Um, I guess you could say the old guard right now, and the old guard in um uh, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak. That those three have pretty much been carrying this team for the last four to five years. Bergeron and Marchand have been carrying them for the last ten years. Obviously, now you have guys there like Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno to uh, sort out the depth on the second and the third lines. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of a historical comparison here. If you look at a team, if you go back about twenty years now to the O2 Detroit Red Wings. Obviously, this team is not as stacked as they were. But if you look, that summer they had brought in guys like Brett Hall and Luke Robitaille to sort of do the same thing. That team won the Stanley Cup, but at the end of the day, who was carrying that team? Three guys were carrying that team forwards-wise, and those guys were Steve Eiserman, Brendan Shanahan, and Sergey Fedorov, guys who had been there for a while. And I feel the same way with this Bruins team. As good as Hall was for them, and as good as I think Felino will be for them, this team is going to live and die with how these three guys play. And remember, this may be their last chance at that vaunted Stanley Cup. I felt like they maybe should have won two, three, or four of them over the last 10 years. They just never – the job didn't get done for whatever reason. Like I mentioned above, we could have a whole episode on this another day. Right now, we're not going to do that. But, yeah, it's these three guys is what's going to make this team go, is what's going to determine is this team a cup contender or is this team out of the playoffs? Are they a bubble team? Are they a middle-of-the-road team? And one more thing to keep in mind here, too, is that Patrice Bergeron is up for a new contract at the, at the end of the season. A couple days ago, Bergeron had said he's not going to look to sign an extension during the season. He's going to wait till it's all said and done and then decide what his future in Boston is going to be. So that's just something else to keep in mind as well. But in my mind, it's these three guys. You know, they have they they, they sort of improved in other positions. But it's these three guys who are still going to carry this club. Yeah, I agree. I first let me just say that I have been hyping for the past couple of weeks that with certain teams that we've talked about that 
I had in mind a line that I think is the best line in the NHL. You know, when we talked about the Colorado Avalanche and we talked about the Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen line, that I thought that there was one line currently that I think is better. That's this first line here. As Tom mentioned before, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pasternak, the perfection line. And they weren't all together last year because of Pasternak getting injured at the early part of the year. But when together, this is by far, to me, the scariest line in the NHL that is no hyperbole. I mean that wholeheartedly. You look at the point the point totals last year, even in limited action with David uh, Pasternak, and combine that with what Brad Marchand did last year, a near 70-point season in 53 games, well over a point per game, and Patrice Bergeron as well. This line, in a lot of ways, is unstoppable. But going beyond just that first line, because your first line is great, but beyond that, I got to say, this lineup is dangerously balanced. Last year, the Toronto Maple Leafs had to choose between whether they wanted Taylor Hall or Nick Foligno, who they were going to pursue at the trade deadline. They honest, they ended up choosing Nick Foligno. And Boston this past offseason said, hey, why can't we have both of them? And they <laughs> did it. They went out. They had their they, – they had their cake, and they ate it too. They got Taylor Hall last year via trade, and then they went out and signed Nick Foligno, and they locked up Taylor Hall – Goodness, the difference that a couple months make, but both of them, I think, are obvious X factors on this team, you know, kind of reinvigorating this Boston Bruins lineup. Taylor Hall, if healthy, could be a fantastic addition to this top six, bringing speed and a brilliant scoring touch. And his stats in Boston last year, in just 16 games, he had eight goals and six assists for 14 points almost at a point-per-game pace once he joined the Boston Bruins. Now, prior to that with Buffalo, he and 37 games of action with Buffalo last year, two goals, 17 assists, 19 points, not near the production that he was putting up in Boston, and he gets to do that this year in a full season with Boston. The one thing is he doesn't get to have David Krejci playing alongside him, which is going to be interesting, which means that Charlie uh, – Charlie Coyle is going to have to line up next to him, who could be an interesting pairing for him this year. It's not David Krejci, but Charlie Coyle could prove to be a great addition to that top six as well. Nick Foligno, on the other hand, uh, in his time with Toronto last year in just seven games of action uh, as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the regular season, only put up four assists. But that being said, it's not necessarily about the point production that Nick Foligno brings to a lineup. It's, you know, his leadership, his experience, and he brings that leadership and experience to an already experienced team. He doesn't have to do that with a lot of the younger guys and the younger guys that are on this team. He, you know, a lot of these younger guys get the benefit of playing alongside a leader like Nick Felina. Lastly is another major addition to this lineup this year, the starting goaltender, uh, as it is slated right now for this team, Linus Olmark. Linus Olmark is this new shiny starting goaltender in town, and he's going to be taking over for the injured Tuka Rask. And it's definitely weird for Boston fans this year. It's been a long time that they haven't seen Tuka Rask as the starting goaltender. It's, it's the dawn of a new era 
in Boston. Not to say that Rask's you know time ultimately could be done in Boston, but it, it very well could be. And Olmark is now on a four-year deal, and Olmark and limited action for Buffalo last year looked pretty good, but he dealt with injury last year. That's another thing that we're going to be kind of circling back to as we talk about variables and things. Um, in 20 games, uh, in 20 starts with Buffalo last year, nine wins, six losses, put up a 917 save percentage with a 2.63 goals against. And to boot, it was on a terrible, and I mean terrible, Buffalo Sabres team. So that should also be pointed out. I'm excited to see what Linus Olmar can do on a better team this year. And I'm just hoping he doesn't get injured. Next, we're moving on to breakout candidates. This one will be a little bit quicker here because eh, it's slim pickings here for breakout candidates. Guys who we think could end up having a career year who haven't had a career year yet or maybe coming into their rookie season or maybe second or third year and just looking to break out. Tom, who do you think is a breakout candidate here on the Boston Bruins? You know, this is really difficult here because this is a very veteran lad and very veteran heavy club. But if I had to go with anybody, and if I had to look back to the history of the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins were always a team that was looking to have the best, one of the best, if not the best defenseman in the league. And I really think that um, it's time for Charlie McAvoy to shine here. Um, he was given that spot on the first pairing, left by longtime captain Dan O'Char last year. Um He's been hyped. He came up with uh, defending Norris Trophy winner Adam Fox in Long Island. You know, they played together. He's been on World Junior teams. He paid his dues growing up, was a very, very highly touted prospect. But throughout his short career so far, he's kind of just been a 30-point player. If he can get going this year and maybe get close to 50 or 60 points, watch out. I really do think McAvoy will be the next big thing in Boston. And like I've previously mentioned, you go through, you look through history with the Bruins, guys like Eddie Shore, guys like Brad Park, guys like Bobby Orr, guys like Raymond Bork, guys like Sedano Chara. It, Boston has always been a team that relied on their number one defenseman. It, it's just a fact. It's a fact through history if you look through those great Bruins teams who have won before. Um, to, to end about Charlie McAvoy, his point per game last year probably would have had him close to 50 points in a full 82-game season. So if he can build on that or he can equal that this year, let's see. Maybe you'll start seeing more people talk about him. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, and I agree. It's kind of tough to choose a breakout candidate here just because of how you know veteran this lineup is. And it's funny that you went the defensive route in your end because I'm going the defensive route here as well. Because I think maybe Brandon Carlo could be a person that could be a breakout candidate. And Carlo is coming into the first year of a long-term contract at the young age of 24. Uh, he's never been a prolific offensive defenseman for Boston but he plays the defensive side very well and plays just as good as some grizzled veterans. And maybe this is the year where things finally click offensively for him playing in that top four and, you know, earning top four minutes. He's certainly going to be on the penalty kill this year for the Boston Bruins. Um, but maybe he could see a little bit of time on the power play if certain people get injured or maybe just to be given a little bit of experience. And I think maybe this is a year that he starts racking up some assists. You know, his top point total uh, has been roughly like around like 15, 20 points in one year. Maybe this is the first year we see him break the 30 point margin. It could be interesting to see Brandon Carlo could be a person to look at as a breakout candidate. Now, 
It's time to talk about the potential opening night lineup here for Boston, which it should be said, it is currently the beginning of September here. There's a lot of time between now and October. We haven't gotten to training camp yet, but this is what we think the opening night lineup could look like. So take this, of course, with a grain of salt. But as usual, what could this lineup look like come October? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's time to look. So we are starting with forward line one, as we always do, moving from left wing, center to right wing. First, we have the perfection line. Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Posternock. Next, we've got the second line, Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, and Craig Smith. Next, on line three, we've got Jake DeBrusque, Eric Howla, and Nick Foligno. And rounding out on the fourth line, Trent Frederick, Thomas Nosek, and Chris Wagner. Next, the first line of defense, we've got Matt Grizzlick with Charlie McAvoy. Next on defense line two, Derek Forbort with Brandon Carlo. And on the third line of defense, Mike Riley and Connor Clifton. Gotta say, Mike Riley was a very surprising player last year, and I hope he kind of continues that pace this year. Finally, looking at the goaltending, we've got starting goaltender Linus Olmark with backup goaltender Jeremy Swayman. So, a pretty interesting lineup here for the Boston Bruins, but we got to talk about some variables because there's a lot of things that, that could change from now to October. There's a lot of things that could change from October to the Olympic break, and there are things that could change all the way up until the trade, trade deadline and beyond. So, Tom, in your mind, what are some variables for this Boston Bruins lineup? Well, um, uh, the one that sticks out here like a sore thumb is that center ice spot on the second line here. For years, that was David Krejci's spot. He's gone now. The Bruins offered him to come back, and he didn't take it. If they can't get Charlie Coyle to play up to speed with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith, they're going to need to start making some calls. They may need to call a team like the National Predators to try and bring in a guy like Matthew Shane or Ryan Johansson. Um, they're going to be scrambling to find a center if Charlie Coyle can't play up to that. And Charlie Coyle is a hometown guy, too. He's a Boston guy. But one thing I've learned is a lot of Boston guys, when they go back to play for the Bruins, a lot of times it just doesn't work out very well. I'm hoping it's the opposite with him. Hopefully he does well with them, but who knows? Um, another thing here is sticks out like a sore thumb is the goaltending. You know, they have Linus Olmark here. He's in a better situation now, and you got to hope with him being in a better situation that he'll play better and be able to supplement this team and be able to, you know, keep them at the top of the division, keep them as a cup contender. We don't know what's going to happen with Tuka Rask, but I'll tell you what, if Olmark shows any sign of struggle, and even though Jeremy Swimman played well for them last year, if both show any sign of struggle, I could see them trying to bring Tuka Rask back in midseason and either moving one of these guys or putting him on a long-term IR or doing something like that to circumvent the cap to bring Tuka Rask back in. If not then maybe it'd be Charlie Coyle on one of these goalies that they'll need to move somewhere to try and get that second line center. The question is, who would it be? And would they even take those guys for, for, for that potential piece? Who knows? But those are two big variables in my mind. Yeah. And with the Boston Bruins, if they need to make a deal, if they're not totally confident in what Charlie Coyle can do on that second line, which ultimately... I think Charlie Coyle is going to be okay there on that second line. I am a optimist in this case, but let's say hypothetically they want to, you know, deepen that center depth. 
The first guy I think on the chopping block here is Jake DeBrusque. He was a guy that was involved in trade talks as early as last year, rumored to maybe being linked to a team like the New Jersey Devils and other teams that needed forward help. And just quite simply, we've seen change of scenery deals in the past, but maybe that's something that could be considered this time around. Boston is going to need to be creative with their cap if they're going to do so. According to Cap Friendly, which, which thank God for Cap Friendly. I just wanted to put that out there and put and also websites like Hockey Reference because we wouldn't be able to also talk about stats like these, like because of you know without these websites, but. In terms of cap space for the Boston Bruins, they're only sitting at about $1.1 million in cap. So they're going to need to be creative if they're going to go out and try to make a deal. Maybe use some draft picks. Maybe try to trade some higher contracts. The problem is your higher contracts right now, your top five in contracts right now just on you know forwards. Patrice Bergeron at $6.87 million per year. David Posternock at 6.6, Brad Marchand at 6.1, Taylor Hall at 6 million even, and Charlie Coyle at 5.25 million even. So they're going to need to be really, really creative after this year, especially if they want to be able to afford Charlie uh, McAvoy after this year, who's you know maybe either going to get a bridge deal after this just simply because of the cap situation, or he's going to look to get paid. And they're going to need to do something about that. Maybe Patrice Bergeron's days in uh, Boston are numbered. I don't think so, but Boston's going to have a lot to consider there. And uh, lastly, is this the last that we're ever going to see Tuka Rask in a Boston uniform? You know, he is potentially sidelined for the entire year, but that's still a little ambiguous. Is there potential for Rask to maybe make a very, 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 very late return to this lineup? It's left to be seen. I personally don't think so, uh, but is, could he be a factor next year? I don't know. I think it's left to be seen. And if somehow things go south for the Boston Bruins, will they consider blowing things up a little bit and maybe just trying to build around what they currently have on the young side and finally give Charlie McAvoy that contract to, you know, deepen that right side. And, you know, are they going to do that despite signing Taylor Hall long-term? These are just things that need to be considered things that need to be thought about, but Boston honestly could be a very good team this year. Now, finally, Coming to the end of our show, we've got our question of the day, which our question of the day is simple, and it's the same as every day. Where did the Boston Bruins finish in the Atlantic Division this year? Tom, let's start with you. Where does Boston finish in the Atlantic Division this year? You know what? Um, the Atlantic, unlike the Central, um, has you know a little bit more question marks. You have a lot of good teams in there. You have a defending Stanley Cup champion. You have an up in Tampa. You have an up-and-comer in Florida. You have Toronto, who's a good regular season team. You know, you have all those teams. Now, despite all those teams, there's just a lot I like about Boston. They have the experience. They have the depth. They have a decent defensive core. And if Charlie McAvoy can figure it out, he may be another number one defenseman and Norris Trophy candidate this season. So you know what? I'm going with first place here, believe it or not. I'm actually giving the Bruins a division this year. I am. There's just um, uh, Tampa, Tampa little bit of a cup hangover got a little bit worse Florida's kind of a night and day team Toronto who who knows with them anymore you know so there's a lot I like about this Bruins team 
They're very, they, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of good players. They have a lot of experience. I'm going with first place. Well, that could honestly make a lot of my friends happy uh, hearing that potential prediction. Uh, for me, Boston, if everything goes right, could be a very, very good team this year and could have a very good season. But they are competing in what I think is the toughest division, no doubt about it. This Atlantic division is cutthroat this year. It could go any, 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 any which way. However, this will not stop Boston from finishing outside of the top four. It's more a matter of where they finish in the top four. I'm going to tentatively say third place just simply because if Linus Olmark gets hurt at any point this year, I worry for how Boston finishes this year. This season, I want to put the pressure on Linus Olmark with this, but this season hinges on Linus Olmark's success. And if he stays healthy, can start about 50 games here for the Boston Bruins and performs just as well as I think he could, I think Omar could have a very good year and could even maybe get some consideration for maybe a trophy at the end of this year, maybe a Vezina trophy. And I can't believe I'm saying that because that's not something I thought of with Linus Olmark last year, but on a good Boston team with really good defense, maybe that could happen for a guy like Linus Olmark if everything goes right. But I'm just going to conservatively say third. Is it going to surprise me if Boston finishes higher? Absolutely not. It's not going to surprise me in the least. Would I be surprised if Tom's prediction comes true? Definitely not. I think Boston could be a force to be reckoned with if, if everything breaks off right for them. But as always, guys, what do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you disagree with us? You got to let us know down below. Join the conversation. Drop a comment. And while you are agreeing or disagreeing with us, make sure that you like and subscribe for all of our team previews coming up because, hey, you might not necessarily be a Boston Bruins fan, but we are cur- covering every team, all 32 teams in the NHL before the beginning of the NHL season. So we're going to cover your favorite team at some point. Make sure you join us for the ride here on YouTube. And as always, check out our content down below at i80sports.com where you can not only find our team previews and our NHL content, but the NFL season and the NCAA football season has just begun as well. You got to make sure to check out our NFL, NCAA football, MLS, and NBA content there as well. Make sure you give those guys some love as well. And make sure you follow us down below at I80 underscore sports NHL. And if you're currently following on Twitter, thank you guys so much. We greatly appreciate all of your support because without you guys, we can't do this on a weekly basis. But it's time to move away here from the Boston Bruins and move on to a different team in the Atlantic Division. It's going to be quite the ride, and we're excited for you guys to join us for it. I'm Brian. He's been Tom. This has been our Boston Bruins 2021-2022 team preview.